Hi all, welcome to this new episode of my podcast, A Digital Tomorrow. Today I'm joined by Mustafa El Shenawi from Egypt. Thank you very much, Mustafa, for joining me. Thank you, Oriol. Well, it's my pleasure to, to have you uh, here and well, uh, for those of you who want to know more about uh, Mustafa, uh, he currently works as a uh, head of financial inclusion uh, department at Faisal Islamic Bank uh, of uh, Egypt. And he's uh, well, actually a financial inclusion expert, fintech consultant, uh, corporate training. Um, he designs, develops and delivers training programs in business banking and fintech uh, domains with more than 15 years of experience in, in the banking field, ranging from uh, banking operations, uh, credit operations, uh, letter of guarantees, internal audit, and, and managing a bank branch. So I think that uh, Mustafa's uh, background uh, puts him in a perfect position to discuss uh, Islamic uh, finance, uh, Islamic uh, fintech, not just uh, in Egypt, but also in the whole of the MENA region. So uh, Mustafa, once again, uh, welcome to my show. Uh, thank you, Oriol. The honor is mine, Oriol. Well, um, I would like to start um, talking uh, about uh, financial inclusion and, and Islamic uh, banking. Uh, I think that financial inclusion is, of course, a very important uh, topic uh, worldwide. No, I mean, it's important like uh, all across the globe. But I think that uh, there are certain areas where this uh, lack of financial inclusion may be a bigger issue. I mean, we, we see that uh, in the, for example, uh, Indian subcontinent, no, in, in the Pakistan, Bangladesh, also in Sub-Saharan Africa. And well, to maybe to a lesser extent in Egypt uh, as well. No, so um, I'm currently, for example, co-leading the financial inclusion and CVC working group at the Global Impact uh, FinTech Forum. And I wanted to ask you, um, given the ethical approach to banking promoted by Islamic uh, banking, how do you think that Islamic banking can actually promote financial inclusion? Well, it is a very perfect uh, question. Uh, why? Concerning, uh, the, as we said in the world, the ethical finance and from a Sharia compliant perspective, uh, Islamic finance or Islamic banking. Uh, Islamic banking, or we can say it about uh, social finance, is impacting uh, the society. If we can say that about uh, uh, the Murabha contract, this is a contract called Murabha. That is equivalent in the conventional bank, like giving loans. The Murabha contract is like if you want to buy a car in the conventional bank, you go to the bank and ask for a loan, a car loan. But if we want to buy a car and go to an Islamic bank, they provide it with a contract called Murabha. What the difference? The difference is in a very thin issue. It's a matter of, in the Islamic finance, it's buy the car for you and resell it for you as a customer with a profit margin, 20%, 30%. And this profit margin, if we give an example in the numbers, the car cost uh, 10,000 USD. You go to the Islamic bank, the Islamic bank resell it for you for 12,000 USD and provide it in an installment. 12 installments, you will pay uh, 1,000 per month or 24 installments, you will pay 500 uh, USD per month. That is the tiny and the thin way of the difference between 
Murabha of buying a car and a car loan from a conventional banking. If we large the scale concerning the corporations and the institutions and the small businesses, the small businesses' main issues is funding mainly. So in the conventional, they give them the loans with interest, but in the uh, Sharia compliant, they can uh, get with them like an mudaraba or musharka. The mudaraba contract is a matter of a you are the mudarib, is a customer, is the mudarib. I will take I will put I will say it in Arabic and then in English. The the customer is the mudarib and the bank. Is the as he said in the Rabbil Mal is the uh, owner of the money. The bank is the owner of the money, and the uh, customer is the mudarib lower uh, is that that uh, takes the money and give and invest it in 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 all or in in his own business. Uh, the way of risk sharing. This small business have a great risk in his uh, business, and the bank have a very commitment concerning his uh, customers, concerning his, uh, the people that put their money. He is, they said in Arabic, I mean, he is a guarantor on the money of his clients. So uh, in the Mudarba contract, the bank is a Rabbil Mal and the, the owner of the money and the customer is the Mudarib. So, and concerning the percentage, they, are, they depend with each other and they um, agree with each other on a percentage of sharing so that no one can be affected in this way. But if we uh, compare it with the conventional bank, it's it different in a very thin issue is that the bank uh, involved with the clients need to uh, always follow up with the client, not just in the conventional banking, give him the money and leave him do what he uh, can do. Uh, if he may, he may take the money, he will not give it in his own business, but he can it, uh, use it in another way. So, because it is a great issue in the, in the credit industry, if when you provide credit, because in the conventional banking, you, can, you cannot follow up with the, with the clients that take the loans and uh, make sure that he use the money in the main reason that he applied for the financing. But in the Islamic banking, you need to make very sure that the person that taken this, this uh, amount of fund is use it for this purpose. So using it this, in this purpose affects the whole society and will affect the sustainable development goals of every country, if we are talking Egypt, it will be a very affected in a social way. So it is uh, in the world wallet called it about the ethical finance or the social uh, finance. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. For sharing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been uh, doing research on Islamic uh, banking and finance for a few years, starting in Asia, but then uh, moving towards uh, how uh, new technologies like uh, blockchain or, or artificial intelligence yeah. applied to this area and i must say that uh, yes. many of islamic finances principles are actually very interesting you know these ideas that you mentioned yes. now when it comes yes. to well uh, avoiding speculation um uh, profit uh, and risk sharing you know all these ideas yes. are, are i think very very ethical you now as we mentioned and i wanted to ask you as well uh, how does the islamic finance uh, industry 
look like in Egypt uh, compared to other countries in the, in the MENA region? Like, is it uh, more developed, uh, less developed? Uh, concerning the Islamic finance industry here in Egypt, uh, there is a, approximately four Islamic banks from 38 banks working in the in Egypt. There is a four Islamic bank from 38 uh, uh, banks working in Egypt. Uh, I will not say to you that the sharing of Islamic banking in Egypt is very high, but it is about uh, six to seven percent of, of, of the overall banking. Uh, and uh, this, some banks uh, are have a great sharing and have a, uh, from the customers have a great trust in them. Uh, and there is uh, some uh, banks, conventional banks, have Islamic windows, provide Islamic products and Islamic uh, services to uh, their clients because they find there is a great uh, customer demands concerning the Islamic. Uh, so the conventional bank have a subsidiary or what we say a window for Islamic for providing Islamic uh, products and services and they are competing with the four uh, Islamic uh, banks uh, here in Egypt. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, actually, okay. I, I was going to ask you now about um, these uh, Islamic banking products, no? because according to a recent report uh, published yeah. by the Egyptian uh, Islamic uh, Finance Association, um, even though the Egyptian market has uh, witnessed uh, the development of many Islamic uh, banking uh, products that meet the, the various needs of customers, the market still needs to, to develop and innovate many uh, Sharia-compliant uh, products, uh, whether for individuals yes. or companies. So, uh, yes. in your opinion, uh, what areas uh, do you think that currently require more uh, development and innovation when it comes to creating new uh, Sharia-compliant uh, products? Yes, thank you so much, Oriol, for these questions. Uh, as you can see, the world is speaking about the central bank digital currencies. The world is speaking about the green economy and the green finance. The world is speaking about the sustainable finance. The whole world is speaking about the sustainable development goals and how to achieve these development goals. So these development goals, if we can relate it with the ethical finance, social finance, Islamic Sharia finance, it is very related and it is very profitable also for any individual. When I said an Islamic product or service, I don't say that it is only for Islamic customers. It is for all of the religions. It is not specific for any person have a specific religion. Is the Islamic finance, the social finance, the ethical finance for any employee or for any uh, customer from the 8 billion uh, individual in the world. So, uh, as we can see from COVID-19 that hit the world in the past two years, the digital financial services and the digital transformation have accelerated in all industries. And if you speak about the banking industry and the Islamic banking industry, it have been also coped with this uh, transformation. The whole world have been uh, stopped. So the persons and the vaccinations and the sanitizations and the social distancing have been put. Banks have put some restrictions concerning for their uh, customers. And another way, in e-commerce, if we speak about the MENA region and the world world, 
also the e-commerce have been accelerated very uh, skyrocketed with a very uh, high rates and in Egypt it have been really doubled the uh, using e-commerce using digital financial services the percentage of use if we speak about percentage of use uh, in Egypt it have been more than 60% more than 60% of persons here in Egypt is uh, less than 35 years old. As, as you know, uh, Gene Z, uh, is, is that born from uh, 1995 to 2010, are the main, uh, main, main, main portion in Egypt and they use the digital financial services. So the Islamic banking is not away from conventional banking. The Islamic banking is not away from the digital financial services. So if we need to uh, accelerate and to uh, reach more people because uh, the financial inclusion role in every institution is in a simple two words, is banking the unbanked. If we talk about the financial inclusion role, even if it's in Islamic banking or conventional banking, it's a matter of banking the unbanked. What I want to say is that there is a great uh, portion of people uh, that away from the uh, main uh, government. They are in uh, rural areas. They are uh, away, the, the bank branches cannot reach them. So what they can reach them, they can reach them through digitalization using uh, smartphones. Percentage of smartphones here in Egypt is very, Hi, uh, and a lot of people using smartphone, even literates or non-literates. It is a, a great surprise, Oriel, I, I know, is that in Egypt, the great, great uh, a lot of people in Egypt, literacy and non-literacy have a smartphone and they can use it. Besides, uh, I provide uh, some uh, training uh, in collaboration with the American Chamber. Mm -hmm. uh, Providing training about the financial technology uh, from a lot of governorates in Egypt, in upside and downside, a lot of uh, places in Egypt. They told me that there is a very a great uh, uh, people, many, 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 many uh, peoples in Egypt are illiteracy and but they use uh, the wallet, using the wallets but they are in literacy they cannot read or write but they use the wallet they ask for their uh, kids they ask their uh, you know any small uh, person in the family to how to use this uh, wallet come here tell me why how to use this wallet you know it is a great uh, portion and there is a great potentials for using these uh, services so the banks even if it's Islamic banks or conventional bank, really are now in Egypt, uh, they are uh, developing their uh, digital financial services, they are developing their uh, wallets, and they are competed, and there is a great competition by the telecommunication companies, you know, because banks have a specific times for opening and closing, but the uh, telecommunication companies are opening mainly uh, more hours and more flexibility than the banks. Besides, uh, banks uh, need KYC, know your customer document, 
from the uh, customers. But the telecommunications uh, companies have a very simplified, they just want from this customer their ID only, opening their accounts using their wallets. So the banks, even if they are Islamic banks and conventional banks, have a great competition from other telecommunication uh, companies because they have flexible hours, they have flexible uh, standards, they have flexible, they don't need a lot of papers like the banks. Uh, so it is a very uh, competition now between the, uh, the telecommunication and the financial institutions. Besides, some banks, even the Islamic or conventional, are collaborating with many fintechs here in Egypt. They are collaborating with them. They, pro, uh, they ask for their uh, collaboration. They, uh, they, what, what I want to say, they make a co-opetition. Cooperation and competition in the same time. So it is a very, uh, very potential uh, rule, specifically in Egypt, even if it is Islamic or conventional. Well, uh, okay. thank you very much for, for sharing your thoughts. I think that uh, everything you said was uh, very interesting, but there are like three or four ideas that, um, well, that I found especially relevant. No, I mean, first of all, um, the idea that Islamic finance uh, is for everyone, and that's something that I think it's very important. And I always tell people because I, well, I mean, have friends and people who ask me before things like, uh, you know, I like Islamic finance, but I'm not Muslim, so that's not for me. But the thing is, so you oh, said no, before, no, no, I mean, no, no. exactly. I mean, yes. you don't need to be from a certain religion. I mean, Islamic finance has some yes. ethical principles. So whether you call it Sharia compliant or ethical compliant, the idea is the same. No, it's all about complying with those ethical rules, uh, rules that come from, from yes. Sharia. But I think that, that they also come from common sense. No? So I think uh, that idea that yes. of saying that it's for everyone makes perfect sense. Yes, yes. Uh, as we can say, <coughs> it is from uh, like uh, political issues, you know, uh, there is some political issue may see it that is not profitable for them. Some political issue says that it is for profitable for them, but it is uh, mainly uh, uh, for all the people in the globe, not mm. for Muslims only. That's let me tell you, service. I agree. I think their solutions yes. could be actually yes. adopted like anywhere, regardless of, uh, you know, of uh, politics, yes. religion. I think uh, it's, it's yes, yes, yes. Then, um, yes. aside from that, I think it's also a very important idea that you said that. Uh, Islamic finance, uh, it's not just about tradition as well, no? that it can be perfectly matched with the idea of being uh, or becoming digital. I think that idea is also yes. very important because this will yes. bring us to the next part of our conversation, which is uh, Islamic yes. fintech. And, and related to that, you also mentioned, uh, well, how young Egypt's population is. And I think that's very important, no? because, I mean, generally speaking, the younger uh, the population of a country is, the easier it's going to be you know, for financial and digital services to penetrate, even though there are cases uh, like you said, like like that of maybe the the elder illiterate person who may be maybe asking for help from someone in his family. I mean, that's of course a case, and, and that's true, no. But I think that generally speaking, the younger a population is, the easier it's going to be for them to use smartphones, to use uh, Islamic fintech services or traditional virtual banking uh, services. No, but I think yes. it makes yes. uh, fintech adoption much uh, easier. So I think our conversation naturally brought us to the next part, no, which is. Uh, uh, fintech, but more specifically, Islamic uh, fintech. No, and I wanted yes. to ask you about that. Well, I mean, 
what's the, the current like uh, outlook or of uh, Egypt and uh, fintech scene and also the whole MENA region uh, fintech scene? Like, uh, what challenges and opportunities do you see in this industry? What uh, well areas do you think will become more relevant these uh, coming years, etc.? Well, uh, concerning uh, fintech and, uh, domains and the Islamic fintech domains. As I told you before, uh, in Egypt, I have a great uh, youth, percentage more than 60%. This youth, they don't want ever, can't go, uh, or even they don't have the time to go to the bank branch, physical branch, wait for making a transaction in the teller or the customer service, uh, waiting for some minutes or even maybe some hours. They don't have the, they don't have the, this patient. Right. So what they, uh, they, they uh, need, they need this smartphone. They need this, uh, any, any devices that they connected to the internet. So uh, the, uh, the banks now, Islamic or conventional, if I talk about Islamic banks uh, in Egypt, they are uh, now, they are developing their uh, digital uh, services and products. And there is a great, uh, there is a lot of, uh, there is some strategies concerning this uh, issue in the coming few uh, years to uh, penetrate and reach uh, more uh, customers by using the digital financial uh, services ranging from uh, the internet banking, ranging from uh, mobile uh, wallet, ranging from uh, contact, uh, contactless cards, ranging from uh, biometric cards, and a new issue in the world will be uh, introduced in the coming uh, few years. Uh, and all of these issues <clears throat> used by the youth, because after three or four years, this use Gen Z will be millennial, as you know. <clears throat> But uh, youth, youth digital services, it's okay. But also the, the more older youth, not, I will not uh, generalize, but many, some people which are older in the, in, the, in the age more than 50 or 60, they use the digital services, but uh, not as the same percentage as the youth. Uh, opportunities, there is a great, and the huge opportunities in the MENA region and in Egypt. A very huge opportunities concerning the Islamic banking because uh, there is a great, uh, some portion of people have a religion way of dealing with banks and they want to, uh, their Islamic bank to uh, provide them with the uh, Sharia compliant uh, services because uh, in the past, they go to the conventional bank and deal with them, but uh, they want their banks, the Islamic bank, to provide these services as the conventional bank provide the services of the digitalization. Uh, in conclusion, I, I can tell you that in the mainly in the MENA region and the North Africa region and in Egypt, there is a great uh, potential, there is a great uh, opportunities, there is a very huge potential opportunities in this uh, world. Because as you know, the economy now is digital economy and there is a great uh, pilot testing concerning the CBDC, central bank digital currencies and the blockchain technology. And I think that in the coming two or three years, uh, there will be a great, uh, as we know, you are, you are now going to the Web 3. We are finishing yeah. Web 2. Exactly. And now 
we are getting in Web3 with new ideas, with new way of thinking, with new mindsets, uh, with a great potential from uh, uh, the political issues concerning the employees because uh, the, uh, the, the governmental issues, uh, the governmental institution uh, promoting the entrepreneurial uh, work, not the uh, employee work. They are promoting every youth when he graduated from the college to work his, in his own idea, work in his own business model, work uh, in his entrepreneurial uh, idea, and to uh, find a solution for all uh, our issues uh, concerning the digital financial services, concerning the, if we talk about the climate finance and how it is related to the uh, Islamic finance, it is very, also, as you can, is that climate finance and uh, Islamic finance very related because climate finance is an uh, environmental issue for all the world. These ideas that uh, youth uh, should work uh, in it and provide the answers for these uh, issues, not in the MENA region, but all uh, the world. Mm -hmm. Well, um, okay. thank you for, for sharing. I, I agree with all your, uh, your remarks. And I wanted to ask you now about, um, well, uh, about whether you think that uh, uh, the Islamic uh, fintech industry can like um, well, help improve some areas of Islamic finance. Uh, so let me put it this way: you know, I was uh, recently in, in uh, November participating in a in a um, conference organized by the uh, Indonesian Financial Authority uh, (OGK). Uh, on Islamic uh, finance. I was participating as a speaker, no? and I was talking mm -hmm. about how uh, blockchain and artificial intelligence could be applied to, to Islamic finance and banking. Because, well, I mean, as you know, it is compatible. No? I mean, I know there are some areas where it is not so clear, like, for example, cryptocurrencies, but when it comes to blockchain as a technology, it could be applied without breaking the Islamic finance principles. And when yes. I was doing that research, I, well, I also uh, found that uh, there are parts of Islamic finance uh, that uh, are kind of in crisis, like, for example, uh, takaful, you know, you know, insurance. Some scholars say that this area hasn't been, like, uh, well, um, used uh, up to its full potential. No? And those scholars said that uh, Islamic fintech could help areas like takaful uh, live up to its full potential no? by applying digitalization into that area. So, um, do you think that there is like any area of Islamic finance where the use of Islamic uh, fintech, no, where the use of technology could um, help make those areas uh, thrive and, and well, and overcome its uh, limitations? Of course, uh, concerning the if you talk about crowdfunding, mm -hmm. if we talk about the issue of crowdfunding, uh, the issue of crowdfunding. Is, it is uh, just like the issue of uh, Musharaka. As you said, told you before, the uh, Islamic contracts in the financing have many contracts. Number one is Murabha, number two is Mudarba, number three is Musharaka, there is number four, uh, Igara, there is uh, number five, Tawarruq, securitization, uh, number six, there is some uh, called Istizra. Salam, concerning the agriculture uh, financing. Istisna, re-industrying. Uh, if any person wants you 
to uh, share with you uh, a factory you want to build a factory it is called there's a lot of uh, contracts in the islamic uh, sharia <coughs> all of these contracts need to be digitalized all of these uh, contracts need to, to be digitalized. If we think uh, uh, on, in all these uh, contracts, every contract is devoted for a specific industry, for a specific individuals, for a specific business. But in the conclusion, all of these contracts is related to the ethical uh, financing and they need to uh, be digitalized. Concerning your questions, yes, uh, Crowdfunding is uh, the most uh, applicable or the most uh, near uh, to the solving these uh, issues. By also, if we related it to the blockchain and the peer-to-peer -peer lending, B2B lending, mm -hmm. it is very, it is like, if, if I said in Arabic, you make uh, like from you and you uh, a lot of persons, just like the network of the blockchain. Mm -hmm. Network of blockchain is like a networks, and all of the persons agree and make a consensus on these transactions. So, the gamaya or the crowdfunding taken from this person and this person, but this issue needed to be jurisdicted and re regulated. Uh, it is very uh, challenging concerning the regulating because the customers, uh, as you know, in the blockchain there is an there is no intermediary. There is no a central bank. So the, the central banks working in now <clears throat> in the CBDCs mm -hmm. because they want people to not uh, use illegal uh, issues concerning the financial service. They want to uh, return to a financial intermediary. In the, in the way now, if you want to make a transfer from Madrid to Cairo, uh, the transfer passed by a correspondent bank and then reach it Egypt, okay? And you need to go to a bank, but in the blockchain, there is no one intermediary. You from your place now, just uh, touch, okay, send, the transfer sent from you to any person in, in the other world without intermediary. And this is a great uh, challenge that uh, the central bankers all over the world and the, in the European Union makes uh, innovation hubs and makes uh, asks uh, ask small entrepreneurs and small fintechs to uh, find solutions for these uh, issues and if we uh, provide we take some issues from the islamic sharia complaint on or the islamic sharia uh, contracts we will find uh, I, I am very sure that we will find uh, great uh, solutions and a lot of solutions not for jamina region but for all uh, the world Mm -hmm. Well, that's actually a very uh, interesting approach. Uh, yes. Thanks for, for sharing it. And even though I would like to, to keep discussing these uh, very interesting topics with you for, for much uh, longer, we are actually running out yes. uh, of time. So I think uh, it's been great to, well, to discuss all these topics with you, to learn more about, uh, about financial inclusion and Islamic banking, um, about the Islamic banking industry in Egypt, in the MENA region, Islamic fintech, um, well, um, what the, the population in Egypt looks like you know, when it comes to its age, uh, its, its habits uh, towards uh, digitalization. I mean, I think it's been, well, 
absolutely great to, to discuss uh, all these topics uh, with you. So for that, uh, Mustafa, I would like to thank you for, for coming to my podcast. It's been a pleasure and I hope to be able to host you again in the future. Uh, thank you so much, Oriol, and the honor is mine. And uh, we need to talk a lot uh, concerning these issues in the coming episode, inshallah. I do, I do, I do. I, okay. I, I agree with you. I think that there are like many uh, open topics that we couldn't discuss today, but we need, of course, to, to meet again and, and discuss uh, okay. all of them. And right. well, to, uh, to all uh, my listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. And please stay tuned for the next uh, episode. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, audience.